Well, we're two weeks away from Halloween. Is anybody excited about that? Can we hear some noise? All right, have you got your costumes picked out? All that kind of good stuff. Uh, my family and I are very excited about that. A couple of weeks, we're going to get a lot of candy. I'll show you a picture from last year. Those are my boys uh, gathering their loot at the end of the day. And that was in the midst of COVID, right? Nothing stops them from seeking candy. So uh, we're looking forward to another good year of that this year. Um, in fact, if you want, you can wear your costumes in a couple of weeks to church. That'll be oh, cool. I might even do that myself, so uh, we'll see what that is. But uh, you know what's fun about doing this is seeing the reaction of kids who get candy. So uh, our kind of family tradition is Laura, my wife, and I take our boys out trick-or-treating. Uh, my parents are usually in town, and my mom goes with us, and my dad kind of mans the candy station at home. But before we had kids, Laura and I would be at the house, and we'd give the candy out. And it's always fun to see how those children react. You know, some are shy, and they'll come up, and they'll get like, you know, one or two pieces and kind of sheepishly do that. And then there are the kids that come up, and they like both hands just in, you know, grab fistful of candy, which is it's great. That's why we're there, right? We're giving people candy for free, and, and that's what it's all about. And, you know, in our neighborhood, sometimes people will put a table out and put a bowl out in case they're not going to be there and, and just encourage people to take one or two pieces. And, you know, it's, it's not unusual for some people to come and just dump the whole bag in, into their own bag, which, you know, that's not really cool, but it happens, right? Um, and then uh, sometimes something really special might happen. Like uh, when Laura and I were there before we had kids, we had a family come up and just, they had several kids, but just one of the, the boys came up and he got some candy and the others seemed to be kind of nervous about that. And he went and he grabbed his sister's hand and brought her up as if to say, hey, I checked it out, it's okay. There's some good stuff here, come and get some of that. And pretty soon the rest of the, the kids came and did that. And that was really sweet, right? That, that's special. And it's one of those Halloween memories that kind of lives in the back of my mind. And I say that kind of as an introduction today to maybe invite you to think about when you find something good in your life that you're excited about that's worthwhile, how willing are you to share that with other people? If you come upon something, it's something like, wow, I found something that's really cool and I got to kind of keep that to myself, or I might share it with a few people that I know really closely, or this is so good, I've got to let everybody that I know in on this, right? Maybe it's a, a stock tip, right? A hot stock tip you know is going to take off, or maybe it's a flash sale on Amazon and you want to help everybody, you know, buy something really cool for cheap, or maybe it's a new restaurant that's open, something like that. What do you do? When you come across something really good in your life, is that something you just want to keep to yourself or is that something you want to share with others? And if you share it with others, how wide is the circle that you share that with? What do you do when you find something just so cool and awesome? Keep it to yourselves. Are you ready to, to share that with someone? Last week, we, we ran into the life of Jesus. First century Israel uh, it's the last of his life. He's gone into the city of Jerusalem, which is the capital for the very last time, and he knows that he's going there to die. He's going to allow himself to be killed on a cross. They're going to nail him to a cross, and he's going to do this as a way for us all to be able to have a way back to God because he's going to come back to life and do all these amazing things uh, that we talk about in church. And so before that happens, he's going around and he's teaching and he's doing all these things uh, to try and share the love of God with people. And he's running into resistance. He's running into resistance uh, with a lot of the religious leaders of the day. They didn't like Jesus. They felt threatened by him, that their authority and their power would be challenged. And it was. And so they were trying to always get Jesus in trouble. And he's in the midst of all these debates 
with these religious leaders. And last week we saw that a group of them called the Pharisees, they were like religious lawyers. There's like 613 laws in the Jewish uh, belief. And they were asking Jesus, of these 613 commands, which one's the most important? They were hoping Jesus would make a mistake. He'd get tripped up because that's a pretty you know, challenging question. What do you pick out of 613 commands? And last week we saw that Jesus you know, didn't even blink. He said to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, Right, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, right, all of your mind, everything. Right? Love God with all that you have. Right? Love God. God created us to be in a relationship with God and wants to share God's love and wants us to receive that love and to, and to give it back. And so we talked a lot about that last week. Well, today we're going to see the very next thing that Jesus says. We've been talking about what our purpose is as a church, what our purpose is as Christians. And, and we, we think, you know, very clearly a couple of weeks ago, we said that that purpose is to make disciples of Jesus, to share the good news of Jesus. We talked last week, it's about a relationship with God, to love God with everything that we have. And so today we continue to see what our purpose is as followers of God. And so let's see what Jesus teaches us again in Matthew's gospel, chapter 22, verse 39. He's just said to love God with all that we have. And now he says, and the second command is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's keep going, Melissa. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So love God, love neighbor, everything in our religious law, all of the spokespersons for God called prophets, everything hinges on two things, right? If you want to make it easy, if you, if you don't know how to memorize 613 things to do, just do two things. Love God with all that you have and love your neighbor as yourself. So what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? I guess the first question is, who's your neighbor? And the short answer is, it's anybody that we come into contact with. You might live beside them. You might go to school with them. You might work with them. You might drive by them in traffic. You might eat beside them in the food court. Our neighbor from a biblical mindset perspective is anyone that we come into contact with. Right? So what does it mean then to love the people in our lives that we come into contact with? I think an easy way of saying it is that the Bible sees love as more than an action than a feeling. Right? It, love is a feeling, we understand that, but love in the Bible is, is much more of an action than a feeling. And so if we are to love the people in our lives, it means that we want to seek good for them in their lives, right? especially good coming from God. Right? So the people that we work with, the people that we're eating beside of, the people that we live beside, right? the people that are in our same building, right? we want to see and bring goodness, especially the goodness of God, into their lives. And as followers of Jesus, right, when we find God and that's that, that good thing that we have, we want to share Jesus with all the people that we come into contact with. So love your neighbor, right? And then it says, as yourself. Jesus assumes that the hearers have a healthy love of themselves, right? The Pharisees had a big love of themselves. They loved themselves more than anything. So it's like, you love yourself, but you need to love people as much as you love yourself. But we realize sometimes in our lives that some of us, we just don't really like ourselves. We don't really love ourselves. Have, have you ever seen the, uh, the old sitcom Seinfeld where Jerry Seinfeld, this comedian, is going through his life and uh, there's one of the episodes where uh, he falls in love with this woman and he's getting ready to get married to her, uh, but then he calls off the wedding and he breaks up the relationship. And, and so one of his friends said, well, why? You know, I thought things were going great. This is awesome. Why, why did you end the relationship? He's like, well, I finally figured out just why it is that I love her so much. Well, why did you love her so much? Because she reminds me of me. Well, 
that's a good thing, isn't it? Why are you breaking up? He's like, well, I can't, you know, continue dating her because she reminds me of me and, and I hate myself. <laughs> so, right, just this demented thinking. That's not what Jesus is saying, right? He's assuming, right, we have a healthy love of ourselves, that God created us in God's image, that God has plans for our lives, that there's a lot of good things in us to love because that's who God made us, right? So love your neighbor as yourself. So our church leadership, uh, our staff, and our leadership team over the past couple of months have really been wrestling with, right, now what? Right, we've been working for over eight years to relaunch our church in this new campus, and now we have an online uh, campus and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, what's God calling us to do? Because none of us anticipated relaunching our church in the middle of an international pandemic. Uh, and it's been hard, it's challenging, it's changed things. And so we've really been thinking and praying and trying to figure out, you know, what does it look like to be a church in South Park in the midst of a pandemic? Now what? And so we've invited you to think with us and pray with us about that. And we're, we're doing some things. And, and part of that is we're trying to figure out who our neighbors are and how we can connect them to God, how we can be good neighbors, how can we be good friends. And so we've been digging into a lot of data that the United Methodist Church makes available for us. And, and we found out some interesting things, some things you might assume that make sense and some things that are kind of shocking. So I want to share a little bit of that with you today as we think about who are our neighbors and how do we be good neighbors? How do we reach people for God in the midst of this pandemic? Well, uh, you know, we want to reach our online community. Uh, we want to reach the people of Charlotte. We've got people that come to our church from South Carolina and Union County and all across the city. But we also want to reach people who live here, where the church is, within a three-mile radius. And so uh, we're doing a little bit of studying about what that looks like. And we found out some very interesting things. And, and one thing that really is kind of shocking in some ways, some ways it's not, is that 63% of people who live within a three-mile radius of our church are not actively involved in a faith community. 63, 6 out of 10 people within a three-mile radius are not actively involved in a faith community. And for me as a pastor, that's, that's depressing, right? That's what we're all about is connecting people to God through the church. And so that is a challenging thing to have to see and have to deal with. But it's also an opportunity. Think of all the people that are out there around us who need God and what an opportunity it is for us to figure out how we can become good neighbors and introduce Jesus to them. It reminds me of when the church first started in the first century, right? Nobody was really a Christian, right? And so the whole world needed to find Christ. And so, and that worked out pretty well. And so while it's depressing on one hand, it's also a great opportunity on the other. Well, if you're like me, my question was, well, why aren't people in faith communities, right? What's going on with that? And so these are some of the top reasons of why people are not involved in a faith community. I'm going to start first with people who are totally outside the church. Why are they not involved in a faith community, right? Number seven uh, out of the top seven reasons are they don't believe in God. Now, Pastor Lindsay talked about this a few weeks ago. Wouldn't you think that would be the number one answer? Why are people outside the church not in the church because they don't believe in God? That would assume, right? That'd be, to me, that would be the number one answer, but it's not, which is bad news for the church, which means there's, there's stuff that we're doing or not doing that are getting in the way of people being in a relationship to God. It's not that they don't have belief in God, right? So that's the number seven reason. Number six, it's not relevant to my life. What churches are doing, babe, good for them, but it doesn't make any sense to me 
in my life. We want our faith to be relevant, to be everyday stuff. You guys know why at the end of each of my messages, I ask a question, so what? The reason that I do that is like my, my goal in communicating to you is to have something of faith that makes a difference in your life that you can apply into your life, okay? So the Bible says this, so what? What does that mean in my life? I remember being in a preaching class and one of my classmates had done a lot of work to put together a sermon and it was amazingly you know, detailed. They researched all the original history of the context. They, they dove into the original Greek and Hebrew that it was written in. They got all the theology right. They, they did everything right, right? Crossed their T's, dotted their I's, did the sermon. And then the, the professor said, you know, you did all your homework well, but, but then he said the question, so what? So what about the people who heard that message? How does it affect them in their life? I didn't hear anything at all in that message about how this affects people in their lives. And so right, that, that spoke to me, and my goal was to have some kind of relevancy in what I'm saying. Some Sundays are better than others. I realize that. Sorry about that. All right. But at least it's a goal, okay? So not relevant to my life. Number five, disillusion with religion. Like, some people are like, I'm good with God, but just not church because those churches are messed up. Right. Number four, don't trust religious leaders. Um, number three, don't trust organized religion. There's a lot of trust issues for people outside the church with people who are inside the church. Number two, religions who focused on money. And number one, religious people are too judgmental. Right? So it's not that we don't believe in God. It's just there's a lot of messed up people in church that are messing up our lives. Right? That, so it's a challenge for us to overcome. These are people who are outside the church. Now, what about people who have been in the church but are no longer active in the church? They're probably a member of a church somewhere. They, they have a church background, right? But they no longer choose to be participants in a church or a faith community. Why are they not coming back, right? Again, number six, they no longer believe in God. They've lost their faith. Again, I would think that would be the number one issue, but it's not. Very similar to what we saw earlier. Religion too focused on money, right? We saw, we've seen that before. Conflicts in the religious community, right? Church people can be mean to church people. Believe me, I've seen it, right? Pastors can be mean to other people. I, I have to confess, I'm not always perfect either, right? So there's conflict in the religious community. Uh, there's like, I think there's like this idea that if you come into a church that everybody's gonna love each other and sing kumbaya and get along. And that's just not reality, right? We're still people. And so we're two or more gathered, there's gonna be disagreements, but I think the challenge of the church is when we disagree, how we disagree should be better than how the world disagrees. We should have more grace and patience. Right? But there, there's a lot of people not in church because of conflict in the religious community. Uh, number three, move from the community. That makes sense. I would think that would be number one or two, wouldn't you? I mean, it's the top three, but I think it would be a little bit higher. Number two, don't trust religious leaders. Again, trust issues of religious leaders. And number one, Religious people are too judgmental. So pretty much the same list, isn't it? Right? Pretty much. And that's hard, right? The judgmental th side of things. Uh, because it's tough. Like on, on one hand, right, it's a fine line. Like we have certain things that we believe and, and we have the right to believe that, like morality, right? We believe, right, that it's better to wait to have sex until you're married than to do it before, right? We believe that it's not uh, good for us to get drunk out in the world, right? So there's, there's certain things that we believe as Christians that's okay to believe. It's okay to do that in our lives. But I think the trick is when we see people doing things that we think don't align with what God wants for their lives, we just get nasty about it. And we look down our noses and we condemn people. We treat them like trash. 
we badmouth them, right? I think that's where the judgmental part comes in. And so we've got our work cut out for us to try to overcome some of these reasons that people are staying away from religious communities. Uh, so that's a challenge. So, so how do we overcome that? How do we share the good news of Jesus that has changed our lives, right, that we believe is, is worth being here on a Sunday morning or watching online for a Sunday morning? How do we share that good news with the people in the three-mile radius, with people who are watching online, who live in our neighborhoods, who shop with us, who go to school with us, who work with us? How do we do that? Because I think that's why we're here, right? We talked about making disciples of Jesus and loving our neighbors as ourselves. Right? I love this quote. Uh, from Archbishop William Temple. You've probably seen it before if, if you've been around me anytime, right? The church is the only organization that exists for the benefit of those outside it. Let that sink in. The church is the only organization that exists for the benefit of those outside it. We exist for people who are not yet here. And yet the people who are not yet here don't want to have anything to do with us because of all those reasons that I listed there. We have got to figure out a way to reach people. Uh, who are outside because that's why we exist and I think sometimes not intentionally but just kind of as the way life goes I think sometimes we get into church and we forget that we exist for people who are outside the church and it becomes all about us I want this to happen in church I need this to happen you're not taking care of me right now everybody in the church is important and you need to have love from people in the church right but it's not just about us it's also about the people who are not here yet so we sometimes have to sacrifice our personal desires, our personal preferences for the good of those who are not yet here. Right? So again, ongoing challenges, but not something that we can't solve. Right? So again, leadership team, staff trying to figure out, okay, so how do we reach people when we have all this stuff to overcome? Part of it, I think, is understanding, well, who are the people who are around us? Y'all remember the Sesame Street show, right, on PBS? I think it's still going strong, right? They, they were, when I was growing up, I watched it, Ernie and Bert and all that, and they had a little song that said, who are the people in your neighborhood? They're the people that you meet when you're walking down the street. They're the people that you meet each day, right? So Ernie and Bert are walking down the street in Sesame Street. Hey, Big Bird, you know, and Mr. Snuffleupagus, right? Who are the people in our neighborhood, right, in our three-mile radius who, who live around us? And so... We've been diving into some of the demographic materials that the Methodist Church makes available for us. It's, it's, it's most current that, that we can find. It doesn't take into account the pandemic stuff, and that's just so new that the data's not yet out there. Um, but these are some of the people that live around us. Right? There's 85,000 people who live in a three-mile radius of our church. 85,000. Now, 63% of 85,000 is a lot of people that are not in church that need God. And so the, 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 the folks who are around us who need Jesus, it, it, there are a lot of people, right? Now, the top three groups by number, by population within that group, uh, the first most populous group is be between the ages of 35 and 54, right? 35, I'm sorry, 35 and 64, 35 and 64, right? Second most populous group is 65 and over. And then the third most populous group is great ages 5 to 17, right? So those are kind of the big groups of people based on age about who lives in South Park. It's a very educated community. Um, for those who have children, 80% uh, of those who have children are married with two parents in the home with children, so a very high rate of marriage uh, between two people that have children. Uh, again, very educated, and it's also a white-collar kind of community. Uh, a lot of folks work in white-collar jobs. 
And it also is a very white community, like over 80% of people in our community are white, which means if we want a diverse congregation, which I want a diverse congregation, I think God calls us to have a diverse congregation. We've got some work to do to get ahead of that. Right? So those are some of the general demographics of the people who live in our community. Um, and another thing that I, I found interesting is, well, of the people in our community, what are some of the things that they really wrestle with that, that are weighing heavy on them that the church might be able to help them with? And, and these are the top things that people in our three-mile community radius community are, are wrestling with. Like these are the things that keep people up at night, right? Number 10, personal health issues. Right? We can relate to that. You get sick, COVID certainly, uh, break an arm, right? You, you, you got skin cancer, all that kind of stuff happening in our lives, personal health problems. Number nine, illegal immigration. This one kind of worries me. I think this is a, a growth opportunity for our community to talk about how Jesus welcomed everyone. Jesus welcomed the foreigners, right? People who are from outside. And I think this is a great opportunity for the church to speak into, right? What does it look like to have immigration in our country? I'm so glad that our church partners with two groups that help advocate for refugees who move into the city of Charlotte, right? So I think this is a growth opportunity for our community. Uh, number eight, stress and time to relax. We can all relate to that. Number seven, day-to-day -day financial matters. You might not think it in South Park. It's a very wealthy community, but that's a big issue. Number six, fear of the future, right? What's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Number five, making right choices, finding direction, right? What's my purpose? Why am I here, right? What, what, what does God want for me and for my family? Number four, finding a satisfying job and career. Again, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Uh, have you noticed all the people quitting their jobs in America recently, like record highs of people not satisfied? And they're like, enough's enough, I'm quitting, right? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Number three, reaching my goals, being successful. Number two, losing weight, right? Diet issues. I think some of that's for, for health, and I think some of that is from pressure, like we've seen with social media, right? All of the body shaming that goes on, right? So there's different elements in all of that. And number one, financing the future, savings and retirement. Will I have enough to retire? Do I have enough to live off of, right? So we see concerns about our bodies, about our purpose, uh, about our financial situation. And I don't know about you, but in my life as a follower of Jesus, Jesus helps me deal with all of that. To say, Kyle, I have a purpose for you. And I, I want you to be physically healthy. I, I want you to have a career that, that you feel good about. I don't want you to worry about your financial future, right? God helps me navigate that. And the beautiful thing about what we do is Jesus can help people deal with these issues if they know and find who Jesus is. So some other advice that is in all this data are, well, what are some of the things that the church could do to help people deal with things like this? And this is where the leadership team and the staff are really trying to figure out how do we actually make this happen in person on campus. And so these are things that are recommendations to help people uh, in our community, right? Senior and retiree activities, right? Their second largest group is retirees. They want to get together. They want to do things. How can we be a, a helpful person to be able to do that? Number nine, cultural programs, right? People in our three-mile radius, they love art and music and dance, Right? That's why in our next phase of our building, we're going to open a performing arts center. And so that's something that's, that's coming down the road, right? So that's important to us. Number eight, right? involvement in social causes. Right? We want to see justice done in the world. Right? And who speaks more to justice than Jesus? Right? So that's something we can help. Family-oriented activities. I, I said how many children, right? It's the third largest group uh, living in our area. 
a traditional worship experience. We also believe in modern worship experience, and that's why you're here today. That's why you're watching online. So we believe in both styles. Uh, holiday programs and activities, right? Christmas, Easter, we got a lot of stuff coming up for Christmas and Advent I'm excited about. Uh, number four, opportunities to volunteer in the community. Right? We want to give back. We want to mentor children. We want to feed people who are hungry. Help us help our community. Number three, adult social activities, right? People want to get together. Right? This is the challenge, though, with the pandemic. People want to get together, but they can't get together. They choose not to get together. So this is where we're really wrestling. How much do people really want to get together? And how much do they not? The quality of the sermons, I'm sorry, y'all got to deal with me every week. Uh, now that goes up when Pastor Lindsay preaches. So uh, you've got that to look forward to, absolutely. And then number one, warm and friendly encounters, right? Which I think goes a long way to get rid of church people are judgy uh, or church people are un- untrustworthy, right? The more we can be warm and friendly to people, the more it combats all that other stuff that we saw earlier. So again, in in all of this, I think we have great opportunities to share the love of Jesus in everyday ways. And so we would love to hear from you about things that you think would reach people that you know that we could do through our congregation, right? So let us know, right? Leadership, staff, Pastor Lindsay, me, anyone, right? We we don't have it all figured out. We're praying, we're thinking, we're trying to do that, but we're in this together and and you're real people and you have real friends. And so that's what it's all about. And ultimately, when we talk about reaching people for Jesus, there are two ways that we can go about it that are from the very beginning of the church, right? And this, this is what they are. Attractional, right? We invite people to come to something that you think's worth coming to, a worship service, going out to, to feed the hungry, right? A, a children's program, ministry program, right? We have things that you want to come to and you want to invite people to come with you. And so it assumes that we have relationships with people who are far from God and we want to invite them to come in and see some cool things that God is doing. And so that's the role of church leadership is to help create things that you would be proud to come to and you'd be proud to invite people to. You'd be interested in coming to. So we're trying to figure that out. And then the other side of it is missional, which means that we go out to the community, right? We know what that's like. For five years, we didn't have a church building. We, we were out in the community. We were worshiping in a movie theater. We were meeting in coffee shops and restaurants and the mall and, and all sorts of things. In the Bible, this is the main way of doing it, right? The apostles were sent out. They didn't have churches. They were sent out to where people were. We meet people where they are, right? We, we go out. That's one reason we still want our small groups to, to meet out in the public right, to go out and meet in restaurants or go to the brewery if you're over the age of 21 and drink responsibly, right, to go out where people are. Wait, we go to movies together. We go to football games together, right? And in the midst of that, you look for opportunities to, to show people God at work in your life and to tell people about how God is at work in your life, right? So attractional, right, we invite people in. Missional, we go out, um, did a, our most recent survey of, of our congregation had a lot of good information. We appreciate everyone, you know, giving us that fee- feedback and input. And I'd just like to share with you one area that I think we could really grow in as a congregation. Um, ask people how often you have interacted with the Apex South Park community, the businesses here, the restaurants, uh, the apartments, the hotel, all that kind of stuff. And over 70% of our congregation said that they've not done anything in this development outside of coming to the church on Sundays. Um, and so I just would encourage you to think about that. I, I don't think that's the way that we become good neighbors is c- kind of hide from everybody. 
And so look for ways to go to the restaurants that are here. There's a restaurant in the hotel. Stay at the hotel, right? Have a good night's vacation and, and meet some people. Interact with people that are on the street here, walking back and forth in the apartments. You know, if we want to reach our neighbors, we need to be good neighbors and get to know them. Right, Dr. Markey is downstairs in our building. Take him some pizza, right, and his staff one day and say, hey, we're so glad you're here. And I, I'm so-and-so, and we're just we're glad to be neighbors. Although he probably more wants salads. He really takes good care of himself better than I do. So, uh, right, but we want to be good neighbors. We have to establish relationships with our neighbors. A lot of folks are always asking me, well, Pastor Kyle, how are we going to reach the people in the apartments? How are we going to reach people in the hotel and the restaurants? As if there's like this magic bullet, right, that's just going to make it possible. And I appreciate the, the interest in that, right? But well, you got to know that the person who's the manager of the apartments is not going to just open the door and say, go knock on people's doors or put stuff underneath their doors, right? She's a gatekeeper. And if you live there, you would want her to keep people out, right? And so we have to establish relationships, the number one way that people come to a relationship with Jesus always been, always will be as a personal invitation where you have a personal relationship with someone and you're able to show them God in your life and you're able to invite them to church or tell a story about God. We need to become friends, genuine friends who care about people so that we can introduce them to Jesus, right? And so as we think about how do churches grow? How do we reach people for Jesus? How does the kingdom of God grow? Ultimately, you need good leadership in church, absolutely, but ultimately it comes down to your level of personal evangelism. Each and every one of us, how do we lead people to Jesus? And I promise you, it does not include going out to Morrison and Sharon and standing on a soapbox and getting a, uh, you know, some kind of a loudspeaker saying, you know, you're going to hell or you need Jesus. That's not it at all, right? It's about being in a relationship and just letting people see Jesus in your life, talking about Jesus when you can, right? But when you go to the football game, you take people with you, right? When you go shopping, you shop with people, right? You just establish, you care about people. You're there when they're sick. You're there when they're on, you know, getting married, whatever, right? It's a personal relationship, right? How are we building personal relationships with people to introduce them to the greatest thing in the world that we found, and that's Jesus, right? The greatest thing that we found is Jesus. So what? What's the point? What's the big idea, right? It has to be relevant for your life. This is what I think it is today, right? Faith leads us beyond ourselves, right? Our faith leads us beyond ourselves. It leads us to God and it leads us to people, right? So we have a personal relationship to God, but that's supposed to be expressed outwardly to share with other people, right? Faith leads us beyond ourselves. How is your faith leading you beyond yourself, right? For some of us, again, we're going to have to sacrifice what we want to have happen in a church, something like that, but how does it push you out to make new friends? How does it push you out into your community, in your family, in your workplace? How are you being pushed outside of yourself to help share your faith with others? So I invite you to do two things, right? First thing is to examine your heart. Do you really care that 63% of the people in our community might not know Jesus, probably don't know Jesus, that they could be living in a personal hell right now, right? Don't even worry about dying and going to hell. They, they could be living in a personal hell right now because all those reasons that we listed up on the screen, Right? They're worried, they're scared, right? That, all that kind of stuff. Do, do we really care that people don't know Jesus? And if we do, we're going to find a way to go and help them and spread the gospel. Right? So if you have that heart for people, that's awesome. Figure out, okay, God, what do you want me to do with that? If you don't have that heart, maybe say, God, please give me a heart transplant. Right? 
I do want to care for people who don't know you. I want to care for people that have what I've found with you, Jesus. Right? So examine your heart. And the second thing would be, right, to go out and to invite people in. Right? Go out, meet people, live life, right? Share Jesus with the way you live your life. Share Jesus with your stories, right? Go out and take the gospel of people. It doesn't have to be with the megaphone. It doesn't have to be the salvation plan. What's God doing in your life? How do you go out and share that, right? And invite someone in, right? Again, we want to create places where you feel comfortable inviting people in, right? It assumes that we have relationships with people who are not in church, who are not in relationship to God. Who in your life could you invite to come and be a part of what we're doing? Um, I want to close with you today just by reading something to you that I pulled off of Next Door Neighbor. You guys know what Next Door Neighbor is? It's an app, social app. Uh, if you live in a neighborhood, you can talk to all your neighbors about stuff. Usually in my neighborhood, it's people complaining about dogs who are walking without leashes or, you know, pooping without being picked up after. But there's some more positive things in that. But anyway, my next door neighbor it goes to like 60 different neighborhoods, like all over the place. And so this was a post uh, a couple of weeks ago from a guy named Wayne. I'm going to read it to you, and i just give you a heads up. There's some words in here that are not church words, but I'm going to read them to you anyway because... I want to be real about what what this is. This is what Wayne said to like probably 60 different neighborhoods in our community. Life. I'm just wondering if there's anyone else sitting, pacing, laying in bed, not able to sleep right now. Your mind is just racing, thinking about all of those things you wish you would have done, thinking about loved ones lost, thinking about loveless relationships, stressing over money, over your job, or like me, all of the above, and just wondering, where the hell did my life go? It seems as the years tick off, it gets worse, and you wish it would just end. How sad. Well, I just want to tell you that you aren't alone. There are probably more of us than will admit it. I wish I had the answer. It sucks, it's lonely and cruel, but we continue on somehow. I don't really know the point of this post other than just trying to get it out of me as I walk the quiet roads of our neighborhood. When this came out, there were over 300 different likes or hearts or smiley faces and over 138 comments. And many of those comments included things like, hey, you're not alone. We're thinking about you. Uh, Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me invite you to my church, right? My question would be, how would you respond to this guy? How would you respond to Wayne? What would you write on a post to him? What, what would you say to him if you knew that he worked with you or went to school with you or lived beside you? Because guess what? He does. And odds are the 63%, a lot of them feel exactly like what Wayne felt. And you know what? If we're honest, the rest of us who are here are in a faith community, we feel the very same way. We have the very same questions and the very same struggles, but we found Jesus who helps us deal with that, Right? And so we have found something good. Are we going to put all that candy in our bag? Are we going to put it all in our box or whatever? Are we going to share that with the people, the real people who feel this way in our lives? That's what I'm talking about. It's real people, just like you and me, struggling with a life that doesn't make sense, that feels like hell sometimes, and we know there's a better way. Our faith leads us beyond ourselves. Examine your heart. Go out to people. Invite people in. What would you say to Wayne? Because we have Christ, and that's the best news that the world needs. Let's pray about that together.
Gracious and ever-loving God, we thank you for being our Lord and our Savior, for making us in your image, for giving us a purpose in life, for loving us and being with us every day through the ups and downs, for helping us live a life that is full and helping us find our way to live eternal, Lord, that you forgive us, that you want to take away our guilt and shame and replace it with joy and peace and, and that life to the full. Thank you for dying on a cross for us and coming back to life to make that possible. And God, we just we ask that you would help us figure out how to, how to share this good news because sometimes it just seems so hard, God, and, and there's so much stacked against us and people are really skeptical of church people. And So we just ask, God, that you would help us win people's hearts one at a time through our personal relationships at work, at school, in our homes, in our cul-de-sacs, in our Apex South Park development. Thank you, God. Help us just to see that it's as simple as, it's like somebody like me and Dr. Shane Markey. He's a real person. He's a neighbor. He's a good guy. We can take him some lunch. We can invite him to the ball game. We can get to know him, right? Not because we want to add to the numbers of our church or add to our budget or have more people to do stuff so we can stop doing stuff, but because we care about people and we want to be friends and we want to be good neighbors. So God, help us think about those words that we heard from next door neighbor, Lord, the app that represents a real person. And help us to do whatever that we can to help people like that in our lives know that there is a better way. And that way is you. Thank you, God, for this incredible opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let me invite you to stand and sing our closing hymn together.